0: Hello friends, this is Pastor Bill Clark. Welcome to the podcast. Hello friends are the first two words I begin each message that I get the privilege to share each Sunday. I get to tell my friends about the greatest friend, Jesus Christ. I also consider friends to be one of the greatest gifts a person can have in this earthly life. Most of the episodes will be messages I share each Sunday. But from time to time, I invite a friend to share some of their life with us over a beverage. I pray these episodes bless you and help you on this journey of life. God's blessings to you, friend. from Sunday November 20th from chapter 10 of the story standing tall falling hard it's about Saul and Samuel let us pray Lord I ask that you speak to me this morning Lord may the words that come from my mouth give honor to you and your holy word please guide me with your words to send and equip this flock to grow your family and show your love I ask all of us in the name of our crucified Savior who died and rose for our sins Amen. As I said, welcome. we got a lot of stuff going on today. I didn't even get to the baptism. So the baptism, I didn't introduce. That's my grandson that we baptized this morning. Uh, Rhett, William, Larry. My, my, My oldest daughter has moved up to favorite daughter status. So besides that, we have a lot of stuff going on in the church here. Today is the last Sunday of the church year. Next Sunday, get ready or not, we're putting the Christmas tree up, right? Advent, the time where we begin to prepare for the birth of of Jesus, our Savior, the one who redeemed us. Well, this today is also Stewardship Sunday. Stewardship Sunday is a Sunday we set aside as a church to think about what we should give back to God. Because everything we have is from God. So If you remember here this morning, you should have received a letter in the last week or 10 days or so with a commitment card talking about what we're going to give back. What our theme is for 2023. If you didn't get one, some of the ushers have them in the back. You can pick one on the way up on the way out of church. But in that letter I wrote this. Our stewardship theme for 2023 is this: Be intentional. This theme is a reminder that not only we are blessed by him, but also that everything we have, including our lives and eternity, come from him. Our theme, Be Intentional, is to remind us to not only not, not rest on the blessings we have received from God, but to also use the blessings intentionally to live out our mission statement, growing God's family, showing God's love. And I truly meant what I wrote in that. I said it a few weeks ago in a sermon. Being intentional. Not being complacent. You know, every Monday I get a report about the church service. First thing I look at, how many people were in church? How many people were here? I don't look at the offering amount. I want to know how many people are here. I want to know how many people came and heard the the Word of God preached. I want to know how many people were here on a Sunday morning in community together in worship. I want to know how many people received the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. My very strong feeling is this, is if people are in church, the amount of the offering is not going to matter. We're not going to have to worry about it because God will provide. Everything that we have in the church is a gift from God through His people. If nothing else, in 2023, you're probably going to get sick of this screen. But I've put this up several times, and I'm going to. Study was done during COVID. If you're in God's Word four times a week, this is what happens. 80,000 people surveyed between the ages of 8 and 80. Those percentages don't lie. There's a reason God wants us to be in His Word. So two things in 2023 that I'm going to ask you. Be in God's Word four times a week. Come to worship on a regular basis. If those things happen, I feel that God will continue to bless this church as He already has. And I wanted to say something that just popped in my mind. I want to say something about the people who are not in worship with us. You know, people that we see every once in a while? You know, things that we like to make fun of? We'll see you at Christmas. We'll see you at Easter, right? Family members that, you know, some of the family comes and some of the family doesn't come. I want them in church. I want them to sit in the pews and hear God's Word preached. I want them to be in the community here with us at Timothy. I want them to come to communion and feel and taste and touch God's forgiveness in the Lord's Supper. I want them to experience the members and the pastor showing God's love to them, as our mission statement says. So I'm asking you to come with me and be intentional in 2023. That's all I'm going to ask of you this Stewardship Sunday. So chapter 10, let's dive right into it, of the story. Now, a lot of people, we got some visitors today, so people might be lost, but as I said in our welcome, we're going on this chronological journey through the, through the Bible. We started at Adam and Eve. We're going to end up in Revelation next May. So chapter 10, standing tall, falling hard. Standing tall, falling hard. So if you've been keeping up with your reading every week, you're one-third of the way through the story already, all right? We'll just let you know, we've covered about 20% of the Bible in that time. But as you're going through this, can't you see more and more how this upper story of God and our lower story are starting to come together more and more? I've had many people come up to me after church and said, I've never gone through the Bible in order like this before. So chapter 10 picks up where chapter 8 left off. Remember last week we had chapter 9. We're introduced to Ruth and Naomi and Boaz. So last week, Ruth and Naomi and Boaz, they have a son named Obed. And Obed has a son named Jesse. And Jesse has a son named David. And 28 generations later, Jesus is born. There's our first instance in the story where we see Jesus is connected the story, through this lineage that we find in Matthew chapter 1. So next week, in fact, the next two weeks, we're going to study King David. But before we get there, we have some growing pains in chapter 10. So before David becomes ruler, we see a nation that's going to go through a tough period. Chapter 10 in the story has been compared to the teenage years. Because Israel's won battles. They're having success in reclaiming the promised land. And they're confident, right? They're standing tall. You see, the teenage years are when we mature physically, but mentally we're not quite there yet, are we? I was just thinking as I was down there praying, there's people that know me here today that knew me when I was a teenager. And the initial shock of me wearing a robe and standing up here as a pastor probably hasn't gone over them yet. You see, the teenagers, we think we know it all. We don't want to listen to anyone. Most of us ask the question, do you want to go back to high school? Most of us would say, absolutely not, would we? Because every one of us during those teenage years has learned things sometimes in a not so very easy way. And we had a possible hard fall along the way as well. So the nation of Israel is a teenager in chapter 10, and God calls Samuel the prophet to be the parent. So the first part of chapter 10, we're introduced to Hannah. Hannah is unable to have a child. And as we learned in chapter 9 last week, having a husband and offspring were critical for the well-being of a woman at this time. If a woman had no husband or offspring, specifically male offspring, she could be subject to a life as a servant. You know, even though her husband's taking care of her, Hannah is very distraught. Because we read that she was being teased and ridiculed because she can't, can't have a child. Well, Hannah goes to the temple to pray. And during her prayer, Eli the high priest hears her pray. And as she prays, the term we say now these days is, she was a hot mess, right? She was a hot mess, as she's pouring her soul out to the Lord. Eli doesn't understand what's going on with Hannah. In fact, he thinks she's drunk, doesn't he? After realizing Hannah's not drunken, but was praying with great anguish and grief, Eli tells Hannah, go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked from him. Well, Hannah becomes pregnant, gives birth to a son, and names him Samuel, because I asked the Lord for him. Hannah give Samuel over to Eli after he's weaned and raised in the house of the high priest. The story said the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground, and all of Israel recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. No teenage rebellion from Samuel, is there? But Eli's two sons are more rebellious teens. You ever heard the term PK? Pastor's kids? My three are sitting right here in front, so this doesn't apply to you, okay? It's kind of this not-so-endearing term because sometimes pastor's kids tend to rebel just a little bit. They do things that you don't expect them to do. Well, Eli's kids, their sons are being pastor's kids. It's not in our reading from chapter 10, but it says this. Now the sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. The Lord's going to go on to reject the house of Eli. In chapter 10 of the story, we read, For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. So in the meantime, the Israelites go to battle with the Philistines. And the Ark of the Covenant is captured. And Eli's sons were with the Ark, and they're killed. When Eli hears the Ark had been captured and his sons killed, he falls back in his chair, breaks his neck, and dies. Eli had led Israel for 40 years. And now Israel is without a leader, and they don't have the Ark of the Covenant. No one to parent, to lead Israel. Well, now Israel is more than just a reluctant teenager. They've gone full-blown rebellion. They are doing what they want. And they also see what everyone else is doing and want it for themselves. We read today in our reading, Samuel, he's a judge over Israel, and he tries to lead the Israelites back. The Ark had been returned to the Philistines, but then we read this. And Samuel said to the house of Israel, If you're returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the Asheroth from among you and direct your heart to the Lord and serve him only. And he would deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the people of Israel put away the Baals and the Asheroth and they served the Lord only. This didn't happen very much in our house, but every once in a while, there was one of our daughters that came home from college and we took a picture of her in her bed after she moved up from college. This isn't the picture. And we couldn't tell if she was in the bed or not. But this is a picture of a teenager's room pulled up. Parents are always asking me, you know, it was the same for me, it's same for her, right? Clean up your room. Clean up your room. So what do you do as a parent when you finally had enough? You go in and clean it, don't you? Grab a trash bag in hand. You start picking up all the junk and the garbage in the room. You spend time cleaning up their room, and when you're done, you stand in the doorway and you look, you're amazed at how clean it can be. You see, the Israelites, when they put aside their Baals and the Asherah, the false gods, they're like a teenager with a clean room. Slate wiped clean. Sin's forgiven. Garbage of their lives gone. But what happens most often with a teenager's room? It don't stay clean very long, does it? It's a mess once again. You see, the room is a mess, and so are the lives of the Israelites. You know, the Israelites are no different than us today. We see the ways of the world, and we want that. We want it so much at times that it becomes an idol. Our society justifies sins that are in direct opposition to God's Word. Churches have let society influence them. The ones that have, have suffered. Instead of listening to God, we listen to those who question God. We want what we want, and we want it now. Just like a spoiled teenager. So Samuel now has become old. And as we read in our first reading from today... His sons aren't worthy to lead Israel either because they didn't walk in the ways of the Lord. And Israel wants a king. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the other nations. Samuel was displeased, we read. Samuel was raised in the house of the high priest Eli. He was a prophet. A prophet that God appointed to be leader and judge over them. He took it hard. He had trained his entire life to do this. Then what does God do? He reminds Samuel in these great words. And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people and all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. And the Lord God went on to say, From the day I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing with you also. You can feel the very heart of Samuel. And you can feel the heart of God in these words. The heart of God, hurt over and over again by his people, gives comfort to Samuel. And he lets him know that it's not you they reject, it's me. You see, like a loving caring parent, God is going to grant to teenage Israel their request. But in doing so, they're going to learn a valuable lesson when they fail. And they're going to fail immensely. You think about it as a parent, one of the hardest things for us to do with our kids is to let them learn something on their own, right? We give them advice, tell them what to do as if God had said, I've tried to teach you, but you won't listen. So go and try it your way. It's tough love, isn't it? Samuel appoints Saul to be the first king over Israel because they said he was tall and handsome. And with that appointment, he gave a warning. With a new king comes new rules and a new way of life. And when that king does things you don't like... God, in effect, says, don't come crying back to me to get rid of him. Samuel advises Saul to follow God, but if you don't, there's going to be trouble. So things start out well for Israel and Saul. They win battles. He follows the will of God. But then Scripture says that Saul is jealous, impatient, and impetuous. And Saul begins to take matters in his own hand and takes, the, takes advantage of the power he has as king. You see, Samuel knew that Saul had failed as a king. And he went and warned Saul that his time as king was up and it was time to find a successor. But having enjoyed the pure perks of being a king, Saul was not ready to go without a fight. Being king was now about Saul and the power he had, rather than following the will of God. As I read this passage, this story, I thought about how, how things have not changed. We love our power as humans. And how we use that power really shows what kind of people we are. We see all the time in the news. It's happened many, many times. Many powerful, especially men, who are executives politicians, entertainers, news people. They have this position of fame and power. And they use that to feed their own selfish desires at the expense of others around them. These men who we put up on a pedestal stood tall. Now they are falling. And falling hard. You always step back and wonder, how does this happen? It doesn't happen overnight, does it? Over time, these men use their power and their fame to push the limits. But then when those limits become too much, they get exposed. These men make themselves into kings. Kings who they think have unlimited power. And by the way, they have no intention of giving it up until it's taken from them. See, just like Saul, chapter 10 of our story today, When he was confronted, it's time to move on. He's not going to go without a fight. These kings have repeated themselves throughout the history of man and will continue to do so until Jesus returns. So why judges? Why judges and not kings? Why did God choose judges? As Christian and God's people of Israel, he wanted his people to be different. God chose them and led them and God didn't want as they say levels of middle management in between us and him the true king. In our gospel reading today the end of the church here we see a picture of Jesus ruling as king from the cross. It's not what we'd think of Jesus would be as a ruler as a king. Most kings rule from their throne. But Jesus was ruling from the cross. Jesus tells the criminal on the cross next to him that he will be with him in paradise. And from the cross, Jesus tells each one of us that we will be with him in paradise. A cross he took for each one of us because... God loves you more than you would ever know or understand. And God loves each and every single one of you just as you need to be loved. You see, God has chosen his people to be in the world, but not of the world. One in eight people today in the world are Christians. One in eight. Your actions and words may be the only Bible other people ever read. You ever think about that? Be intentional. In those cases, are you standing out or fitting in? Because we are God's chosen people. We have been gifted. The power of the Holy Spirit is within you. You see, what do we as God's people, God's call people to? to stand out without having to make ourselves stand out. We live the Christian life every day, don't we? Every day. We live each and every day as a child of God. Is it a perfect life? Some days we're not even close, are we? But there is something different in being called a child of God. We must live our lives for our King, and not the kings of the world. So I, ask, I want to end with this question. As I get older, that keeps popping back into my head. I was thinking about Maybe I'm weird, but as I talk to more people, they think about it too. What would others say about me at my funeral? As you're being wheeled down the aisle here, in your casket, what are the people sitting in the pews saying about you? By the way, you're in heaven, so you don't care. But anyway, right? I think about that a lot. As your family and your friends and your coworkers and acquaintance sit in the pews at your funeral, what are the thoughts about you running through their head? Great guy. Loved to have fun. Loved God. Loved his family. Sometimes it could be a Loved his job and so on. Take that one step further. Would your friends inside the church say the same thing about you as your friends out there outside the church? Would your family say the same thing as your best friend? Are we living the Christian life each and every minute of the day? No matter where we are, Or who we're with. As we come to the end of the church year, we start again, anew. The season of Advent. We celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus. Because Jesus came, He takes all the mistakes and all the sins of our life upon Him. He takes those days when we still act like a teenager wipes them clean. We're made anew every day. That's the king I want to follow. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. And may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding be with us all. Amen. (laughs)